This week on the Boag World Show, we're joined by Ellen DeVries to talk about effectively collaborating with others on your content. This week's show is sponsored by Resource Guru and Gather Content. Hello and welcome to Boag World, the podcast about all aspects of digital design, development and strategy. My name is Paul Boag and joining me on this week's show is Marcus Lillington and the very wonderful Ellen DeVere. So do I have to jump in at this point and, and do the pronunciation thing? No, I just what? figured that as I screwed up Ellen's first name on the, on the, the beginning, I ought to screw up it again on the actual show. Don't feel hurt, Ellen, anyway. He does this to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's my tradition and what's really funny is that i just i literally just recorded the pre-roll the bit that we say before the music plays and i said your f- f- uh, surname perfectly adequately with no problem at all okay I, I, I get this stage fright with people that i'm gonna massacre their name and then i freeze up and i've got a cold everybody be nice to me i've got a cold Nothing. Oh, no poor, sympathy. Poor Paul. You can tell how much, how sincere this is. Poor Paul. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I've not got any sympathy from anyone over this cold. That's because so, you're, Ellen... you're always poorly. There's always you're... something wrong with you. Well, that's because I work hard like you. You just sit on a big pile of money. Of, and Of cash. Yes, yeah. that's me. I, I have a bean bag full of cash that I'm just, I'm currently lazing on it. As yeah, I well, speak. that yeah, it's all <laughs> left over from your pop pop star days, and you just sit around on this big pile of cash and and never expose yourself to. I lost my voice running a whole day workshop. It was very sad. I could only whisper. <laughs> That's just so funny. I wonder, I just, I'm just, I'm going to be really rude now. And I was just, I wonder if they were relieved at that point. <laughs> they might well have been, actually. I, I think were you telling doing... them off? Were you? You no, need I to wasn't. do this? No, I wasn't. I don't, workshops don't have the same tone as my speaking. Ellen, I've got a bit of a reputation as somebody who tells people off from the stage, but I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. See, I knew it. Yeah. goes before you, Paul. Exactly. So, Alan, do you ever? You must have to do workshops and stuff with people. It's knackering, isn't it? It is. It's absolutely knackering. I did one yesterday, and uh, it was it's lots of fun. But I yeah. think it's it's like uh, like if you work in the theatre, you dance around on stage for sort of two hours or or at the most. Whereas when you're running workshops, you're dancing around all day, and you have to actually be interactive with people as well and make sure that everyone's all right. And yeah, so I think uh, yeah, I think that it takes a lot out of me by the end. I of think the day. I, I think you hit the the key thing there. It's it's having to deal with people. It's just <laughs> knackering. People are. <laughs> Hard work. I, try, I tend not to dance around in the workshops I do, though. That oh, that's much. You're not. You're not doing them right, then, Marcus. Obviously not. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, you need to uh, get some moves going. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. Uh, yeah, just breaking out in dance in the middle. I'm going to express this next CSS technique in the form of dance. Oh, that would yeah. make CSS so much more exciting. Oh, oh, it really would, wouldn't it? I'm with you there. I tend so, to wave uh, my arms a lot. Is that okay? 
Oh, yeah, you're waving kind of... arms is really good, yeah. Excellent. It shows yeah. enthusiasm, I think. I'll yeah. stick with it. So what was the workshop you were doing yesterday, Ellen, just as a matter of interest? Not who was it with necessarily, but what was it on? Yeah, so it was a, a client of Clearleft, and yeah. we were uh, trying to work out, they've got a new product. So they're like a pre-existing brand uh, to do with uh, property. Okay. And, uh, and we, uh, yeah, so they have a new product, and it was trying to get everyone together to articulate what the proposition is. Right. So uh, working out the sort of pains and gains of the uh, users and uh, thinking about the actual language that users might have. So the problems that they might have when when uh, they come to use something like this. So, uh yeah, so it was a really it was a really fun workshop actually. There was lots of uh, laughter and joviality, and uh, uh, yeah, it, I think we went off piste a few times talking about bees and uh, lots of strange things. But somehow my workshops t- tend to turn out like that anyway. I think you've got to have a bit of that, otherwise it gets very intense, especially if it's a whole day. You know, people end up exhausted at the end if you don't have a bit of fun while you're doing it. Yeah, we had a very big supply of chocolate as well. That always helps. Mm. Another really good tip: if you ever run workshop, have really good snacks. I've I've got a thing on that because Ellen, I don't even know. I tend to do most mostly salesy type stuff. I'm I'm out pitching for new work and that kind of thing. And when I'm talking about our approach to workshops and that kind of thing, I always have a photograph that has biscuits in it. Oh which, yeah, uh, good biscuits. <laughs> which I, I, I've been told by one client that it it was a plus point. <laughs> yeah, they saw the biscuits. Yeah, but hang on, it's a photograph of biscuits rather than real biscuits. Yeah, but it's like this. This is what you will get if you work with Headscape. Oh, uh, I see. Okay, right. I thought it was they, just some weird way of like. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yes, a subliminal message there. Although yeah, I think I actually just, said, "Look, biscuits." Ah, no, you you need to flash them up for milliseconds between every slide. That's what you do. You know, do it uh, as subliminal. Hey, they can't be any biscuits either. They've got to be M&S biscuits. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are we sponsored by (laughs) M&S? No, we're not sponsored by. Yeah, we should. Uh, Yeah, that amount of time we mention them on the show. So what does your job kind of entail, Ellen, other than um, running workshops? Okay, so I, well, I'm known as uh, a content strategist, but uh, that can be, that can result in lots of different types of work. But mainly what I do is help organisations find the best words, the best sort of language to articulate what it is that they're doing for their users. So in that case yesterday, I was helping a a team of people coming from all sorts of different parts of the organisation, helping them come together and uh, work out what the best language is to articulate the the thing that they're trying to create. But my job also uh, results in helping people with microcopy and then helping people with wider sort of brand language, so the sort of mission statements and purpose and vision uh, and all of that stuff. And then also thinking about the uh, the strategy behind the the language that you choose to put on a site or an app or, or wherever you choose, on a billboard perhaps. So it, it's thinking about creating a sort of uh, a story that kind of feeds into all the different aspects of a brand and how it manifests in the world. That sounds very okay. brand. <laughs> 
It does. It sounds amazing. It sounds like, you know, you you are the god of all things content related now. That's what I've got in my head. That I am. <laughs> you're, you're happy with that title. I'm, yes. <laughs> the god of all I, things. I think I'm going to change my, my uh, title on the website. On the clearly, yeah. I've got access to the CMS, so I might just oh, well, uh, go and <laughs> put that in. Well, Jeremy is well known for randomly changing his job title, so why not you? Yeah, what is he at the moment? I yeah, he's he's been all sorts of things, like chief of, I don't know, last something about meat last time. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was he, lord of some kind of weird tribe or something. That's true. I'm looking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, he's just he's yeah, he's got too much time on his hands. That man, obviously. <laughs> right so today uh, the idea of today's show is we want to talk a little bit about um well really oh, content marketing and promotion generally but specifically a bit about working with others when it comes to content which is very appropriate considering you were doing your workshop yesterday um and so there's kind of different areas we want to get into we, with these shows um ellen we try and kind of we have a bit of a chat in the middle and I'll ask you a few questions about this kind of stuff. But we, we also uh, look at some apps that maybe help you out a little bit um, when it comes to collaborative content and then some reading suggestions as well. So I think because we, we between the two of us, we got quite a, quite carried away in, in potential reading material. I think we ought to jump straight into that um, because we got quite a lot of we. So, um, the first one that I always immediately think of when we talk about reading material is content strategy for the web by Christina Halverson, um, which Marcus, I know you're a, you're a fan of that one. Are you not? Yeah, it's, it's, it, I, I'm quite guilty of buying books related to um, our industry and not reading them, but that's one of the few that I actually have read. Um, and yeah, it was great. I mean, that was it's quite old now, isn't it? I mean, when did that come out? It must be five, six, yeah. seven years ago. We might oh. be horribly out of date. They, yeah. they have done a, another edition as well. So there was an update at some point, but that may also have been a little while ago. I don't know when the mm. most recent was, one was that came out. I mean, is it is it still relevant? Oh, you know, totally. In, 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 yeah. In, okay. Yeah, I, good, I use it good, quite I'm a glad. lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah if anyone ever comes into the office and, and says, what's content strategy? I just sort of pass the book. I've got a little <laughs> stack of them and I pass them over. Yeah. Uh, it's a really good little book for... Um, it's, it's got good sort of checklists of all the things that you need to think about in relation to content. So people often think about content obviously as the substance and the, the words that appear on the page but then behind the scenes uh, as you know there's all the work to be done around how the CMS fits together or how uh, who the people are that are going to be working on the content so the book gives you a really good overview of uh, the things that you might uh, not realize are part of the content production process. So another one that you included in your list, you sent a list through to me, which I absolutely love, is Abby Covert's book, um, How to Make Sense of Any Mess, which is, that's more, well, if you, the trouble is, I was about to say it's more of an information architecture book, but if you say that it's an information architecture book, it immediately sounds incredibly dull and you don't want to read it, but it's absolutely superb, isn't it? And it it's a lot more than maybe your normal... It, perception of what IA is it, it is talking about language and mental models and all kinds of really interesting things it's, it's a good one I like that one so it, 
Mental models well, are a really big thing in content at the moment. Thinking about uh, the the just breaking the language down into its smallest component parts, and and thinking about what words actually mean. Because as organisations are so used to sort of getting wrapped up in their own terminology, and as soon mm. as you go in as a either as a freelancer or if you're coming in from an agency point of view, like I am, then it's like. Uh, trying to understand this language is really difficult sometimes. So Abby's book has some really nice little models for teasing out that language and getting really specific about what that language actually means. Yeah. And another one, another one that you put in, which I recognized, um, which is brilliant for the kind of collaborative elements that we're, we're going to be covering today is Game Storming by Dave Gray. Um, I, I must c confess, I never completely finished that book because it's more of a kind of dip in and out kind of book, isn't it? It is, yeah. I uh, I only came across it when I joined Clear Left and Dave Gray, literally, I think it was in the second week I joined, he was there doing a oh, workshop right. and I got really excited because his books are good at getting all that stuff out on paper. So it's very visual. Because mm. uh, sometimes when we're talking about language, uh Unless you get it down on paper, it's really difficult to see the wood for the trees. And, and Dave Gray's kind of models, and he, they're kind of like games, really. So he yeah. gives you a, a, a thing that you might draw out on paper, and then you get the entire group in a workshop to stick post-it notes on different aspects of, to help you organise your thinking. There's yeah. a bit of a theme, I suppose, with the books, in, in that the, the books, like Abby's book as well, just helps you organise your thinking with groups of people yeah now there was one in this list that i thought i mean absolutely superb book one of my all-time favorite books but i'm quite surprised when you put it in here was creativity inc what what was you thinking about including that one in the list uh well i absolutely love the book so the creativity inc is the uh story of how the sort of internal workings of Pixar and Disney and looking at how they bring big teams of people because when you're working on an animation you've got obviously you've got the animators you've got the script writers you've got I, I don't know who you've got but you've got all sorts of different people even like scientists have to be brought in to look at the kind of mechanics of how a ball bounces so you've yeah. got lots of groups of people coming together that all have very different kind of languages so a scientist might speak very differently from how an animator might speak and what's really inspiring to me is how when you get all those people in a room what are the kind of uh, uh, models that you can use to get people to all point uh, in the same direction and have the same vision to be able to create uh, an, an animation eventually so yeah so I think that book's full of lovely quotes about uh, well that things that we come across quite a lot in the digital industry, like uh, about failing fast and yeah. about feedback, uh, how, how you run critiques. Uh, it's just yeah. packed with lots of collaborative information that's uh, yeah. it's very juicy. It's uh, such a good book. It's And it's a really enjoyable read as well, you know, because, because it's not, um, you know, it's almost uh, an autobiography uh, uh, as well as being a, uh, you know, as well as being this kind of uh, business book at the same time. It's a really interesting combination. There's one on your list I've got to ask about. Nonviolent communication. What the <laughs> hell is that? 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's possibly the worst book title for a very good book ever. Okay. So because as soon as you think about non-violent, you think like what violent communication, and <laughs> like you get images of people like punching each other and stuff. Yeah. Which it absolutely is not. So uh, again, at Clear Left, we did a lot of work around uh, <laughs> inter-team communication and about being really specific about the language that you use. So it's about, um, it's a really good book for helping you work out good ways to give people feedback. So in our sort of creative world of design and content, there's a lot of uh, people have to critique each other's work very frequently. And so it's a really good way of uh, of sort of separating out your language into a non-judgmental kind of language. So rather than saying, I hate that piece of writing you've just done, you'd say, well, uh, that piece of writing, I feel this about this piece of writing. And, yeah. and, and it's, so it's about establishing healthy patterns of communication. What about the one uh, start with why? Is that based on that kind of five whys, uh, which is a principle I talk about all the time, the idea you keep asking why until you get to the root problem or the root issue that you're you're dealing with? Is it that kind of principle or is it something else? No, that's basically it, really. It's, yeah. a, it's a really simple book and that, I think that's pretty much the the basic. So maybe you don't even need to read it now. There you go. <laughs> You've done Woo-hoo! it. So, I could yeah, do it all along. Yeah, if there's one thing you can learn from that book, it's just keep asking your clients uh, why, 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 why. And the the more you ask it, the more authentic their language becomes. So the more you get to the root uh, motivation for, for that thing sort of being put into the world. Yeah, I mean, that's that's yeah, I use that technique all the time i call it the toddler approach because yes. you know <laughs> toddlers constantly ask why don't they so one that you added in last minute uh, sorry this is a long list people but it's a really good list um was sarah richard's content design um is that what that's one you're reading at the moment isn't it yes it is uh, it's literally just come out and uh, I've already bought my second copy because somebody in the office has stolen the first one. And I need uh, to buy a third one because I just gave one to my client yesterday. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought maybe I should put this one on the list too. So it's it's packed with really good techniques for getting the, the uh, right language out of users. So it's a bit about research um, and a little bit about uh, looking at the sort of uh, data-driven uh, content design and uh it's it's just got loads of really useful little techniques sarah richards originally worked at gds and uh, uh and she she was behind you know the big transformation as well so uh and i went to one of her workshops earlier this year at agile content <coughs> in london and it was a really useful way so one of the techniques she gave us was looking at at forums as a way of researching the authentic language that users might have so it was in the I was using the context of a medical um, piece of content around a medical problem so for example asthma and then you go and look up asthma in forums and people say like I can't breathe what am I going to do rather than like typing uh, asthma ailment into the google yeah so it's looking at that real language that's I like that. That's a, very, a clever little approach, actually. Just that tip in its own is, you know, worth knowing, isn't it? So, I mean, obviously, 
you you've been the reason we got you on the show is because um the people at gather content said that you were doing some work with them and you you've written a book yourself haven't you about uh collaborative content creation tell us a bit about that one i have yeah so uh i uh, i wrote it's a short book and it's free and you can just go and get it i think that am i allowed to, oh, yeah it's free. Yeah, so, yeah, it's not, <laughs> so it's uh it's collaboratebook.com is the URL and that takes you uh through to the sort of gather content area where you can download it. And yeah, so I I wrote that because I'm a little bit obsessed with collaboration techniques. And so the book isn't even specifically about content. It's more about ah. bringing digital teams together and the techniques and uh, <coughs> you can use to get people sort of comfortable working together. Because in a lot of the really big organizations that I go into, uh, you've got sort of marketing on one floor and you've got developers on another floor somewhere far away. <laughs> and then you've got a uh, digital team somewhere else. And so... Uh, and people rarely speak to each other. And when and I find when you do bring them into a room together, people have very different mental models of, of what it is that they're actually building. Mm-hmm. And there's a funny thing about content in that when it comes to writing content or when it comes to creating the content, it sort of has a funny way of reflecting what lies beneath the surface. So it's like if the team is really fragmented and everyone's got different language, then you're going to have like uh, inconsistencies on the surface so you might have a uh, a slightly different kind of tone of voice going on on your Facebook and and your Twitter profile might be entirely different and then your website will have a different tone of voice as well so it sort of creeps up to the surface so I'm really determined to try and uh, work out ways of bringing people together to create content even when they're not content specialists. Sounds really good I'm looking forward to checking that one out. Okay, so that's, there's uh, just a few books for people to get on with. Okay, let's. What would you pick out the whole? You can't pick your own. That's a, that's cheating. If if you were going to point people uh, to read one first, which one would it be? So it's like the desert island of content strategy. Yes, books. <laughs> yes. You could take one book away with you. Which one? Oh, so I think I would take the Christina Halverson one. Yeah. It hasn't got quite enough pictures in it, so maybe if I'm allowed, like a sort of, uh, like a like a coffee table magazine as well, just to have pictures uh, on my desert uh-huh. island, <laughs> then that'd be good. Okay, all right. So that's brilliant. So we've got a good list of books there, all got their unique characteristics to it, um, and definitely worth checking out. Now, I want to quickly talk about our first sponsor before we get into some discussion. Um, so our first sponsor today is Resource Guru, who have come back and joined us again on the show after uh, a little break. <coughs> Excuse me. Hopefully uh, by now, in this point within the, the season, you're already full of ideas and enthusiasms of various content marketing approaches that you can use. But of course, you've got to try and find time to do all of that stuff amongst your crowded project schedule. Um, so does your team have any spare capacity each month to work on these content marketing ideas we've discussed? Do you have any people to do video or audio production? Do you have the right skills available? Are you going to need to take on some freelancers in order to give yourself time to do all of this kind of stuff? Of course, all of that is about project planning and organizing your resources. And that's where something like Resource Guru comes in. You know, the truth is, is that um, the kind of spreadsheets and 
crappy old legacy systems we've been using aren't particularly suited to this kind of thing. Um, and scheduling is a difficult thing. So that's where I'd encourage you to check out Resource Guru. It gives you kind of up-to-date, accurate um, view of the big picture of what's going on, who's working on what, how busy they are, who's available, who's away from work, all those kinds of things. Uh, and when things change, which they inevitably do, you could just easily update Resource Guru just by dragging and dropping. It's all very simple and straightforward and intuitive to use. Um, and you could be a lot more confident that your projects are on track and that you've got the right people to do them. Uh, and Resource Guru is is becoming, you know, a, a kind of industry standard in some ways. There's some amazing companies that use it from Apple to Uber to Ogilvy, NASA and even Headscape. Um, so you could start a free trial by going to resourceguru.io forward slash Boag world. Uh, and when you're ready to subscribe, simply use the coupon code BOAG2017 and that will get you 20% off the lifetime of the account. So it's definitely one worth doing. Cool. So thank you, Resource Guru, for supporting the show. It is much appreciated. Right. Discussion time. There's a couple of uh, questions that I thought it'd be quite nice to run through with you, Ellen, and get your perspective on things. Uh, the first one that I had in my head is um, the, one of the big problems I always see, right, whether you're talking about content marketing or whether you're talking about creating content for a website, is that often the people that are writing the content aren't necessarily the experts in the subject that you're writing on. So, for example, in your case, you you work with a lot of different clients in a lot of different fields, and you, you're obviously not going to be an expert on all those different fields. How do you go about creating content where you don't fully understand the subject that you're creating content for? Yeah, that's a really good question because, uh, well, once upon a time, I had to write content for uh, an anaesthetics drug. This was when I was a freelancer before I joined Clay Labs. <laughs> and right. So this was like a, a case <laughs> like that, where I have absolutely no idea about anaesthetics. <coughs> and uh, so, but how it works is this was in the days when I did quite a lot of e-learning stuff. And in e-learning, it's really clear that the subject matter expert so the person who knows the stuff about the anesthetics for example uh, is not the writer so and that's a thing that's coming more and more into the world of like digital content writing is accepting this fact that you're, the people who write the content are not necessarily the experts and they never have to be they're the experts at writing yeah so it's about finding so if 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 you've got like a complex subject and you're facing it and you're thinking, oh my God, how am I going to write about this? Yeah. Uh, then, uh, then you need to find the expert. I mean, it might be that you're suffering from an extreme case of like inner critic and actually somewhere deep down, you do know what that subject is about. And, uh, and, and you can do quite a lot with sort of desk research. So like Sarah Richards, um, you know, tip about, going on forums and sort of harvesting yeah. the information from the internet so sometimes you can uh, and if that's your only option it's just about sort of getting past your integrity <laughs> but in much sort of bigger organizations and bigger projects then it is really about finding that subject matter expert and getting them on board and getting them to work with you collaboratively so uh quite often well when I was free in that case I was 
I had to, you know, find the anaesthetics experts and talk to them. But they weren't necessarily the best people for writing it because they have a lot of kind of scientific language and and uh, their knowledge of uh, structuring language for the web isn't probably as advanced as mine is. So between yeah. us, we managed. So, so how did that working relationship operate did they write an initial draft and then you revised it or did you interview them what was the process so I usually take lots of different tactics with organizations because sometimes the the stuff exists anyway like they they might have it in their desk drawers I I worked with a, a great British university institution once and I I found all their content in their desk drawer in a in a folder like printed out <laughs> so, right so I didn't have to you know spend hours and days interviewing anybody um but then other times I might actually sit down and work with them so if I have already got sort of something of a, <laughs> a of a prototype or a design then we'll sit together and we'll look at how uh how the sort of uh, raw content might sort of be put into that design or if we haven't got any designs or any prototypes or any wireframes or anything and we're right at the beginning of a process then a lot of it is through interviewing and giving them sort of um, headings or, or trying to work out what the sort of crucial headings might be. Abby's yeah. book is really good at that like helping you sort of work out what approach to take uh, into the content. So what about your the process that you use to kind of manage and create all of this content? Because sometimes it could be quite a, a large amount of content that you're create, creating. And I just wondered, you know, how you go about doing that? How do you manage that kind of process? Yeah, so it really depends on the piece of work and how big the organization is and how much content they have. I, I did a little uh, site crawl for a new client last week and and. Uh, they had like 1,500 pages of content already. And so yeah. uh, the task is really to try and work out what needs to stay and what needs to go. But you can come at these projects from lots of different angles. So there's a really great, uh, I think it's actually Christina Halverson, there's like this uh, uh, content strategy pie. <laughs> Imagine Ooh, a pie. Okay. <laughs> it's a pie chart sort of thing. Uh, and it's divided into four quarters. And uh, so each of those quarters has a, a different <coughs> aspect to them. So so the, the first quarter of the pie is like uh, that's about sort of what you see on the surface. So sometimes the job is just to look at what appears. So the microcopy and the, the language uh, that you see on the interface on screen. So fixing that up. And that's often uh, a copywriter might do that kind of stuff. But if you want to go a little bit deeper then, so the other quarter of the pie is looking at the structure, the, the architecture. Um, and then, uh, so with this example of 1,500 pages, it was looking at how you might sort of chunk up those pages into sensible categories um, and how well each of those pages fulfills the task of each of those categories. So you might often hear of content strategists doing audits and inventories. So uh, the inventory is just a, a basic download of what have they got already. And an audit is assessing how well it fulfills the task of getting the message across and telling the story for the organization. So that's the so that's one half of the pie, substance and the architecture. And then the other half of the pie is a lot 
about what goes on beneath the surface. So it's thinking about the people you need to create content and the the, the things, uh, the documents, and <coughs> structures and tools you're going to need to keep that content flowing. Because some organisations, like charities, for example, they've got ongoing campaigns at all times. So it's almost like they're running through a content strategy cycle like every two months or, or they yeah. might have six campaigns running at the same time. So it gets incredibly complex. So you need to make sure like everybody's operating like a smooth moving football team. Like, you know, you know, you're in the wing, so you're ready to receive the content and edit it when it comes in and then pass it on to the next person. And then so it, it's making sure that you've got the kind of strategies and structures in place uh, in order to support what eventually appears on the screen. And then you've got all the different channels as well. So you've got social media and and billboards and newspapers and whatever else. So so it's looking after that whole kind of ecosystem. Um, but the projects that we get coming in always come in at very different levels. So it's about assessing uh, what process is going to work for what client. It depends on the things that they're suffering from, I guess. It's a bit like being a doctor <laughs> for content. Yeah. I think yeah, you probably no, lost makes... Ellen. I think you lost Paul at the at the football analogy. Oh, <laughs> oh, ha ha ha! <laughs> go on then, Mark. Because you wanted to ask a question, you could go next if you're going to be rude about uh, me. <laughs> well, no, you've never claimed to be a, a football fan. So. No, that is very true. I'm but not I, either. I really am not at all. I've never used that <laughs> analogy before. So I don't know. <laughs> It was, it was quite refreshing to hear uh, a sports-related analogy. Um, th- th- my question was, um, it's kind of more business-related, and it, it relates to kind of uh, our experience um, of receiving requests for proposals that say, you know, we're interested in, in content strategy. And you know, <laughs> probably about five years ago or so, we kind of toyed with the idea of um, bringing somebody on board so that we could offer that. Um, you know, so we could offer content strategy to our clients, and that didn't work out for a number of reasons. Um, but it just occurred to me when I was thinking about um, the fact that I'll be speaking to you today that I'm not really seeing any more kind of requests for that. And you would have thought, kind of, with with the advent of Christina Havelson's book um, and and the many other books we discussed earlier, that it, I would be seeing more of that. And I just wonder if it's just that. <sighs> Is 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 content strategy, in your opinion, something that's growing, or I'm and I'm just not seeing it, or is it just sort of it hasn't kind of hit the mainstream yet? Maybe. Yeah, I I am seeing a lot of it. It's actually it's an interesting question because I think clients, because uh, we work with a lot of big organisations, <laughs> sort of like big retail, like British retailers and and. Yeah. Um, publishers like penguin and things like that so uh so the bigger the organization the more aware they are i think of content strategy because a lot of the those organizations have got their own internal design teams and and ux teams and and they're quite savvy because i guess they go to conferences and things Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of talks about content strategy uh sort of uh, infiltrating UXE conferences and, and design conferences. So, um, but it's it's true. It's a the the thing is that people don't recognise their problem as content strategies. They don't uh, sort of uh, sit in a meeting and think, ah, oh, yeah, what we're suffering from here is a problem with content strategy. The the problems look very different. I think with user experience, it's it's an easier win because it's like yeah, the users aren't getting the experience that they're needing. So in a way, content strategy is a kind of user experience because it's what the mm. users see 
on the surface and it, it often I mean my work at Clear Left often means uh, like this afternoon even we're going into a, a, a big uh, airline company and I'm going to be working really closely like inseparably with the UX team because you can't separate out user experience from content yeah. but you do need user experience experts aren't always experts in the lang like the very precise language finding like the best words and the best order and the and how the visual language ties into the greater story so it's it's uh, about helping the UX team to craft that story really mm. So, yeah, think, so are you sorry, Marcus? Are you effectively saying that people don't necessarily come to you saying we want content strategy, but they come to you with a problem of which content strategy is part of the solution? Yeah, do you see what I mean? Exactly. So they'll be yeah. they'll recognise uh, that there's an inconsistency in their language. Or they, uh, they'll recognize that like a, a lot of the things we get are to do with customer services and customers for uh, like for airlines, for example, not being able to find, find the answers that they need when they do a search online or that they're ringing up. The call center is overloaded and actually yeah. a lot of that stuff could be digitized. Um, and, and then a lot of the stuff is quite information architecture related as well, just not being able to find the information quickly is is often the the problem uh and then there's um oh well there's so many different aspects to it but there's like uh, things about searchability and nowadays with all these kind of developments in uh voice user interfaces and uh the sophistication of the technology is showing up holes in the content. Uh, a lot of it's to do with behind the scenes stuff like metadata and how that content yeah. has been categorized mm. because at the moment, at the moment, a lot of organizations have just had content thrown at their systems. You know, people just uh, go, Oh, we need a page for that and put it in and don't do the metadata, which means that it's really hard to categorize and, and organize that information like a librarian might need to organize it um so so that's uh that's the kind of complexities i'm coming across but it's never that people go oh we need a content strategist for this i'm yeah. usually just sticking my finger into the pies that the ux is <laughs> yeah you just interfere in other people's <laughs> projects don't you yeah 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 it's uh, interesting though because I, I think we do we still do some of what you do, but in a kind of much uh, on a much lower level. And my conclusion from all this is that we would probably be helped out by having a content specialist like yourself. Yeah. Be well, that's yeah. the result, isn't it? I'm yes. flying the flag for content strategy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the, the truth is mine that the majority of organizations that the people that end up, uh, creating content or being responsible for content are not really necessarily experts in that. So is there kind of any advice you would give for those, those poor souls that get lumbered with the job of, of overseeing and creating content for their websites? What should they, you know, where should they start in, in improving their skill set? Okay. So what kind of people might these be? People that uh, sort of have another job, but then somebody's come to them and said, can you just sort out the content? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the things that always spring to mind, I mean, you mentioned um, working with the university earlier and, you know, I, I know within universities, for example, there's always, 
you know, somebody with usually an admin person or possibly a marketing person within one of the schools that kind of gets handed content to put online from various academics and people across the institution. And they've kind of got to sort it out or even in in some larger charities, you know, there's nobody actually that officially oversees content across the whole charity instead what it is is it's the the digital team who many of which are jacks of all trades that are kind of expected to wrangle the content in in into shape despite the fact that they've got no real authority over it does that make sense yes it does and it happens all the time um and so what uh the best thing to do is so first of all it's really important to look at uh, roles and responsibilities. So if so, roles being really different from responsibilities, uh, it needs to be clear to that person what their responsibility is in relation to content. So it might be part of a, a, another role that they're doing. So they might be a developer and somebody's just, you know, asked them to do uh, the content. Uh, so it, so being clear on what their remit is, because content is a never ending task. So, you know, is it just write a blog post a week or finding out what their role in the whole sort of content system is, is, is point one. And then yeah. the second thing is uh, to, to look at who else is involved in that team, because no man should have to be an island when it comes to creating content, uh, I think, or, or woman, I should say, <laughs> no man <laughs> or woman should be an island. And uh, so finding people that can uh support you in in doing that task because even if you write a blog post a week it it's really helpful to have either someone to bounce ideas off or someone to help you edit it because it's difficult to 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 uh if you're not experienced with writing content it's it's really difficult to see whether what you've written makes any sense or not yeah. So we've got a really nice system at Clear Left of uh, content buddying. So okay. it's just so it's a role rather uh, as it, sorry it's a responsibility rather than a role. So people can kind of be content buddies at different times. Jeremy is our most excellent content buddy, uh, and uh, and he helps people you know when they're writing talks and things because talks after all are content as well. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we have different people who are content buddies for blog post writing and case study writing. So I'm a content buddy for anyone who's writing a case study. And so it means I don't have to worry about it being a big part, you know, taking up a big part of my day. Um, and then we've also got um, like sharing sessions as well. So where people uh, bring any kind of content problems into a room. So at ClearLeft, we've got the UX laundromat We've got the uh, front end powwow. <laughs> so these are like <laughs> where groups meet and sort of buddy with each other around their subject. And we've got the content deli. Uh, so, <laughs> so the content deli is where people bring uh, content problems that they've got uh, together and, and share and, and try and sort of um, help each other with, um, you know, writing blog posts or getting ideas. Um, so that's, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Asking for training as well is a really good thing because yeah. it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. So training can really help just organize your thoughts and think about how you might plan content. So I do training with the Clear Left team. Uh, I recently did it on the case studies. And the first part of that training was just to uh, 
uh, to mind map all the things that you would be excited to write about. So even though it's a case study, that might uh, on the surface seem like a really boring thing to have to do. But when people start to mind map it, then they can kind of see which areas they might be most interested in writing about because that enthusiasm after all comes to the surface when you read a case study you don't want to you know read a case study that's kind of like and then we did this and then we did that it, you want to yeah. hear about the personal story and about how how they achieved something so yeah I think that's yeah that's good advice yeah a team to bolster you in some way in yeah. whatever way you can Talking in mind of the, the training element, and this is probably the last question we'll have time for, but it, the the trouble is uh, sometimes I find is people think that they can write for the web when they really can't, um, you know, because they're good writers in other fields. They, you know, they think they are good writers. How do you gently dissuade them of that? I think uh, what I often do in writing workshops is uh, show people a good uh, range of writing as a kind of, um, I'm trying to think, of, like not like a mood board, but just a really good selection of examples yeah. of good writing. And then people are drawn to the things that they like. And then yeah. you use the things that people like reading as a, an example of uh, how you might structure something. So if you printed out uh, 10 blog posts and people pick the ones that they like the best, then you can use that <coughs> as a good starting point for analysing why it is that you like, do you like that blog post? Because it's short, uh, because the paragraphs are nice and succinct, because there's subheadings in it. So, And it's helping people understand that there's a really strong difference between the plumbing of a piece of writing and and how it kind of hangs together behind the scenes, so how it's structured and, and held together. And uh, so the, the difference between that sort of plumbing framework and then the, the language that you use on top. So yeah. it's, yeah, and I, I think people don't often place emphasis on the structure because maybe at school we were taught to write essays, you know, you just start at the top of the page and you keep writing until you're at the end. <laughs> rather than yeah well, although some people do write like that and that's perfectly fine too it's i i find that yeah i find that a really good piece of advice that whole thing about you effectively what you're doing there is you're allowing them to discover um what good writing is themselves rather than being all lectury and saying oh no you're doing it all wrong by showing them good writing and, and discussing why it's good you know, they kind of come to that realization themselves, which is always a much better way of working with people than ramming your superiority down their throats, which just alienates, doesn't it? Nonviolent communication, Paul. Yeah, nonviolent communication. Yes, of course. <laughs> See, it was there all along. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, quickly talk about our second sponsor, uh, who I've got a huge thanks because without our second sponsor we wouldn't have had ellen on the show which is great because um gather content have been doing some work with ellen so um that's how i found out about it which is brilliant um so gather content lovely team of people uh that help people manage and get the content they need for their websites apps social media whatever really any any time you want to organize and gather your content these are the people you want to go to 
Um, it was about bringing it all together into one place. You can easily, the, one of the best things about gather content really is that you can, once you've kind of got all your content together, you can easily migrate it across to your content management system, right? Which obviously has a stack load of benefits for you. It's going to save time by automating the migration process. You're never going to have to go through that endless copy and paste that you have to do um, moving content from one CMS to another. You're going to reduce the amount of human errors during your uh, migration and you're going to make it really easy to push content uh, to your staging server ready for review. Um, and there's all kind of, they provide lots of expert help to make sure that integration and that uh, migration goes really well. They integrate with all kinds of um Content management systems, including uh, WordPress, Drupal, Adobe Experience Manager, Sitecore, Expression Engine, Umbrico, Craft, um, uh, HubSpot. And and also their integration is open source and customizable and extendable. So there's so much that you can do there. The other thing that I just wanted to briefly mention about um, Gather Content uh, from er earlier when we were talking about reading suggestions is they've actually got an incredible set of resources that you might want to check out. Uh, at gathercontent.com forward slash resources and in that they've got lots of different um, uh, blog posts and materials and articles and ebooks and all kinds of things that you could get your hands on you could get a 30 day free trial no credit card required by going to gathercontent.com forward slash boag world Okay, so that's gather content. Um, and I do, uh, th this is really kind of awkward because the, the next section that I wanted to just touch on before we wrap up the today's show was um, some related apps. So some apps that you can use to help manage your content. Um, and I've just had a sponsor for, for gather content. So you can't really do better than that. I, I have to mention, I would have mentioned them anyway as a, as a tool to use for this kind of stuff. Ellen, what do you use for your writing and organizing yourself? Are you a, a are you a spreadsheet girl or mm -hmm. do you have some special tool that you use? I, I dabble with lots of different tools because I think I'm a bit of a tool explorer, uh, which yes. could also be a bit of an unhealthy addiction. Uh, yes. Uh, I uh, so <laughs> often I use a Notepad, <laughs> you know, just text files. Yeah. Um, but um, spreadsheets happen to yeah. Uh, it, it's such a vast variety because <sighs> of the various. I often just ask the client what they're used to using because there's yeah. often quite a lot of restrictions on what they can and can't use. So it very much depends on what they're used to. Um, for communications, we try and use Slack most of the time. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. the content stuff, uh, yes, gather content. I, it's absolutely brilliant. And I definitely would not have written the, the book if it, you know, as in I absolutely advocate uh, the work that they've done because it used to be that when I was gathering these 1,500 pages, it, it had to go in a spreadsheet and I'd have to maintain that spreadsheet. And oh. that was like, it was such a headache. I had this thing called the big tracker and then all, you know, 10 of the content people had to go in and update the big tracker. And, oh, it was just, yeah, it was hairy, scary. So uh, life is a lot better now. I sound yeah. like I'm continuing the sponsorship, but it's... Um, no, no, it's, it's fine. I mean, if it's a good tool, it's a good tool. I think people listening to the show understand that. So that's fine. 
Do you ever use Do you ever use Trello for for content management and organisation? Is that something you've dabbled with? Yes, we do. Yeah, a lot of the work that we do is uh, looking at user stories and how uh, how different pages or, or pieces of content support user stories. So it's a really good collaborative tool. So it wouldn't just be me using it as a as a, a board to keep track of my content. It would be like me with the dev and the project manager and the designer and whoever else wants to be involved and the client as well. So they can see what's in progress. We It's the kind of like uh, to do, doing and done kind of columns that that's how yeah. we use it most often. Um, yeah. yeah. And I've started using this other thing, uh, real time board, which is basically like a huge whiteboard sticky, sticky Ooh. note wall. So you can kind of organize sticky notes um, yeah, I've only used it a couple of times, but I found it very useful. Uh, it's the equivalent of having a, a sticky note wall on your computer. Well, yeah, which is quite good when you've got, you know, a remote team or you're trying to work with a client remotely. I can imagine that's quite good. Yeah. Cool. A lot of the time we're sort of just using that kind of thing to wrangle concepts and uh, do kind of associative stuff. So if you've got 1,500 pages of content so you can start to group things by categories and you know the affinity so it's, it's nice to be able to move things around on the screen. What about things like when you do information architecture type stuff if you do that kind of thing do, is there any particular tools you use for card sorting or for creating site structures that kind of stuff? Uh, so site structures OmniGraffle is the, the main yeah. one for that uh, and then uh, for card sorting, that's Trello. Trello is okay for card sorting. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time, I try as much as I physically can to go to clients' offices and do yeah. all of that stuff on the wall, and then basically yeah. just keep it in images. Uh, but uh, yeah, colla- ooh, OmniGraffle is good for the output of that. Yeah, you are right. It's far better to do it, you know, pen and paper, isn't it? Um, in many ways, yeah. I, it's I'm a huge fan of kind of cool tools to play with, and I love my my different bits of software. But there are some things that's just better doing it in person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sharpies and okay. paper. That's it. <laughs> Sorry, what was Sharp, that? I missed sharpies that. and paper from my desert island. I'll, I'll just have sharpies and paper, and that's it. I, absolutely sharpies of paper the best app you could get yeah <laughs> um okay that's cool uh so where can people find out more about you ellen you know do do you blog do you write do you do you run public workshops or speak at conferences or uh, are you on twitter what's what goes on in your world yeah so mainly uh twitter is the good place to see what it is that i'm writing i write in all sorts of different places so uh, okay so on medium i write on the clear left blog as well I don't really I don't really I, I do have my own website but I don't tell anybody about it <laughs> right it's good, co- good idea is it what, yeah. what's that phrase cobbler's shoes is it cobbler's shoes when you don't when you advocate for yeah it and then you don't do it yourself oh yes absolutely I don't know what the phrase is but I know the principle <laughs> children's shoes because the point is that the children don't have the shoes that's what it is that's it. so yes. um anyway yes and uh, so twitter is the best place to find out what I'm up to and uh, and then there's obviously the book, uh, which is kind of a, a representation of all the work that I've been doing over the last few years. Um, so what's your Twitter ID then? It's LDevRe. So that's E-L-D-E-V-R-I. Yeah. Cool. 
that's good. There's no more letters to that. Yeah. Yes. yes it, and <laughs> and the book. Um, you said the book's URL earlier, and I've forgotten it already. Is that collaboratebook.com? Yes. Okay. That's superb. All right, that's great. So um, I think that about wraps it up for the show. Next week, we will have um, Mike Coos, where we're going to be talking about grabbing users' attention with use of powerful imagery. But before we go, we have to... Ellen, you don't know this horrendous thing about the podcast. I don't know. Maybe you've listened to it before. But we have to endure a joke from Marcus at the end. Please laugh politely at the appropriate moment. Okay. This is a... This is a good one because it's a, it's a Bruce Lawson joke. Oh, so okay. It yeah. might actually make you laugh. You never know. Anyway, here we go. Owls never mate when it's raining. It's too wet to woo. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well done. Well done, Bruce. Thank you. All right, that wraps us up for this week. Thank you, Ellen. That was absolutely superb. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for coming and joining us. It's so, so appreciated. Thank you very much for having me. Great and thank you everybody for listening and we'll be back again next week but until then goodbye Oh, my God.